Welcome to Episode 6 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. In Episode 4, I reviewed the five common literary characteristics of the seven letters. If you'd like to hear it again, please visit the video archive on our YouTube page or listen to the podcast version on our Podbean site. Also, if you've not already viewed Episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology in Revelation, I urge you to do so since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding this series of programs on Revelation. In order to keep each YouTube video under 25 minutes in length, in this episode I will discuss the fourth and fifth letters, those to the church at Thyatira and the church at Sardis. The remaining two letters will be covered in episode 7. The last letter in chapter 2 is the one to the church at Thyatira, now Akisar, Turkey. It was an inland commercial city well known in the region. In the New Testament context, it was the home to Lydia, the seller of purple, meaning fabrics dyed with the essence of a mollusk and sold only by Phoenicians, who is mentioned in Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Lydia was the first Gentile convert to Christ in the western region of Asia Minor. And St. Paul wrote that, quote, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. After she and her family were baptized, she invited St. Paul and his traveling party to stay in her home. The letter to the church at Thyatira is found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 to 29. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. I will give to each one of you according to your works." Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keep my works till the end, him I will give power over the nations." He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. And as I also received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The letter began with the same form of greeting to the angels of the church and revelation of the identity of the one sending the message. In the letter to Thyatira, the sender is identified using a phrase from the vision of the glorious man from Daniel 10.6, which John used in chapter 1, verse 15, his revelation of the vision of the one like the Son of Man, when he speaks of one whose eyes are like a flame of fire and feet of brass. The assessment of the state of affairs at Thyatira begins with another demonstration of divine power, an acknowledgment that he knows of their love, service, faith, and patience and works, and that their love is greater than their patience. The accusation is that they allowed the self-labeled prophetess Jezebel to teach false doctrine and seduce my servants into both sexual immorality and eating of foods offered to idols. The reference to Jezebel in verse 20 alludes to the corrupt Phoenician woman who was the wife of King Ahab I. And for more on that in the Old Testament, see 1 Kings 16, verses 29 to 34, and 2 Kings chapter 9, and who worshipped idols. The Old Testament Jezebel was thrown to stray dogs who ate all but her skull and palms. The scene is depicted in a late 19th century engraving by Gustave Doré. The first century Jezebel's claim to be a prophetess most likely means she was a member of the group labeled the Nicolaitans in the letters to Ephesus and Pergamos. In verses 21 and 22, Jezebel and her followers are offered the chance of repentance which Jezebel rejects. The retribution that is promised, Jezebel on her sickbed and the death of her children, is a spiritual rather than a literal punishment. The children referred to most likely mean her followers and not her actual biological children. The issue is clarified in verse 23b when the voice using psalm-like language reminds these offenders that they cannot hide from the God who, quote, searches the minds and hearts, unquote, and will reward or punish based upon your works. The suggestion of corrective action is directed to those in Thyatira who are not followers of Jezebel and the Nicolaitans or who have not known the depths of Satan. To them he promises reward to, quote, he who overcomes and keep my, keeps my works until the end, in verse 24b. To those nations who do not keep his works, he promises justice, echoing the words of Psalm 2, verse 9, Thou shalt bruise them with a rod of iron and break them in pieces like a potter's vessel. In the closing promise, the voice promises to give them the morning star in verse 28, which is an allusion to Christ himself. Elsewhere in the New Testament, he is called the day spring from on high in Luke 1, and the true light in John 1, verse 9. The fifth letter, which begins chapter 3, is addressed to the church at Sardis. 
30 miles southeast of Thyatira and 50 miles directly east of Smyrna. It was once known for its formidable fortification or citadel atop a high hill. Control of Sardis had changed several times in the centuries before Christ, having been ruled by the empires of the Lydians, the Persians, the Greek, and then the Romans. Its most prominent remains are the Temple of Artemis, or Diana, and a recently discovered 2nd century synagogue. Where Ephesus is known as the Loveless Church, and Smyrna the Persecuted Church, and Thyatira the Corrupt Church, Sardis is often called the Dead Church. Melito, bishop of Sardis in the early 2nd century and a contemporary of Polycarp and Irenaeus, was the first known defender of St. John as the author of Revelation. Now here in chapter 3, verses here is chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. The illustration for this series is a photograph of the remains of the Temple of Artemis Diana by Dick Oseman, used with his permission. For more information about this and other pictures of Sardis and other sites in uh, Asia Minor, see slide 154. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. One of the early church martyrs, Justin Martyr, in the middle of the second century, just fifty or so years after John wrote Revelation, wrote that the seven spirits of God in verse 1 refers to the sevenfold spirits from Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 3, which reads, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, his delight is in the fear of the Lord. The significance of the seven stars was revealed in Revelation chapter 1 verse 20 as the angels or guardians of the seven churches. Divine knowledge is demonstrated again in this letter in the first two verses. He not only knows their works, but says they are alive but dead. Dead means spiritually dead, or as the voice says in verse 2b, I have not found your works 
perfect before God. The area, much like Asia, like much of Asia Minor, had fallen under the influence of pagan forces, and as I mentioned before, one of the major sites at Sardis is the Temple of Artemis or Diana, which is shown on the slide in a photograph by Dick Osserman. The voice continues with a suggested corrective action that includes the threat, hold fast and repent, or he will come like a thief in the night. The phrase concerning the thief who comes in the night reflects John's understanding of Jesus' statement in Matthew 24, verses 36 to 44, concerning a thief who comes in, night, in the night and concludes with the message, Therefore also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Having issued a threat, Jesus offered a twofold promise. For those at Sardis, whom Jesus commends, and Jesus commends some members at Sardis who have, quote, not defiled their garments in verse 4a, and promises they will walk with him in priestly white garments, which are a symbol of purity and holiness and which is a promise which will be used again in the letter to the Laodiceans. Here again, John is calling up images from the prophets, in this case Zechariah, who described Joshua the high priest in Zechariah 3, verses 3 and 4, as wearing filthy garments. As in previous letters to Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamos, those who are faithful to the apostolic doctrine are called overcomers and are promised that not only will they not be blotted out of the book of life, but their names shall go before God the Father and his angels. The term book of life was first referred to in Exodus chapter 32, verse 32, and is referred to in Psalm 87, verse 6, the Lord shall record it when he writeth up his people. In the Gospel of St. Luke, Jesus says, Rejoice because your names are written in heaven in Luke 1, verse 20. Luke 10, verse 20. Malachi used a similar phrase, Book of Remembrance, in Malachi 3, 16. And John uses the same idea five additional times in the book of Revelation in chapter 13, verse 8 in chapter 17, verse 8, in chapter 20, verses 12 and 15, and finally in chapter 21, verse 27. Thank you for joining me for episode 6 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. You can help us keep this kind of programming on the Internet in several ways. You can make a contribution by sending a check payable to St. Chrysostom Church Anglican Internet Church to our business office address, 7162 Softwind Lane, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23111. Or you can purchase books from our bookstore. You may use the links on the bookstore page at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, and be taken to our new e-store, where you can order any of our current publications. Or if you, you can further indicate your support by clicking the like and follow button on the Podbean site, www.stjohnc.podbean.com, which is the host for our extensive collection of MP3 podcasts. 
and there is also a bookstore page on the Podbean site. You can also like and follow us on our rebranded Facebook page. The full Facebook address is on the screen, but you can also use the direct link to Facebook posted on the home page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. Once you've reached the Facebook page, you can bookmark it for easy return. Both contributors and book purchasers can request to become distance members, which entitles them to receive the weekly update, which usually goes out on Fridays, and contains the latest news plus links to videos, podcasts, publications, and tweets. If you'd like to be added to the weekly update list, send your request to me at frron.stjohnanglican at earthlink.net. If you'd like to speak with me personally about this or any other topic, please call on my church on my cell phone, 306-1190. Best times are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.